Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! And now, let's get it on! Against the spread, Winning Picks with Mark Lawrence! Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King for a special edition of NCAA March Madness here on the Against the Spread podcast. We do this once a year. Victor and I will be previewing the opening round, the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament this week. And we'll be back next week with our Sweet 16 podcast preview. So mark the dates down as we get all set for March Madness, which will be tipping off on Thursday and concluding with rounds coming up this weekend. With that, I want to welcome in our co-host, Victor King from King Creole Sports. And Victor, I know you've been very busy of late putting together the NBA Totals Today tip sheet newsletter, which has been terrific, well-received, and uh, kudos to you on that. And also, you're knee-deep like I am into this NCAA March Madness as we speak. You know, it's amazing uh, the course of events over a 12-month period, Mark, and where we were last year exactly at this time. I mean, it was the darkest period for anybody who likes to place a wager on a sporting event. If you can recall last year at this time, remember, college conference tournaments were basically stopped mid-tournament. I think only about, what, four, maybe five tournaments actually played out their entire tournament but most tournaments because of the covid were stopped midstream they had already canceled march madness last year and if you remember i remember the march 13th date from last year specifically because i had an nba game uh, portland utah under the total and that's the game where they called it off just prior to the game and they canceled the nba season of course the major league baseball season was canceled as well because again, of the COVID, and it's it's an amazing where we've gone and where we have progressed now over a 12-month period from where we were last year at this time. Uh, so for all of us, all of us who like to wager on a sporting event, we're very, very appreciative that we've got a March Madness tournament to dissect and talk about. The NBA is going to play a full 72-game season. Major League Baseball is ready to go. And we're, we feel a little bit rejuvenated 12 months later, Mark. I don't know about you, but uh, it almost brings a tear to my eye. <laughs> I can relate 100% to what it is you're saying, Victor, because like you a year ago, we were wondering what is going to happen, uh, not only in the world of sports, but in our lives. And knock on wood, we've made it. You know, We've gotten past uh, the ugliness of the pandemic pretty much to this standpoint. Thank goodness for the vaccines, and hopefully everybody can be getting back to the norm here sooner than later, which is terrific news. That's first and foremost our concern about everybody's health and well-being. And last year, as you mentioned here, when Adam Silver pulled the plug on the NBA season and everybody's jaw dropped, uh, we're back again. And we're back again here. We're doing this podcast on St. Patrick's Day. Uh, Happy St. Patrick's Day to everybody listening out there. I'm a little bit Irish myself, so I enjoy this day immensely. And it's nice to be able to do the podcast with you as we talk about the upcoming NCAA March Madness Tournament, 
which was, as you mentioned, canceled last year, but we're back again this year, albeit a little bit like the NBA playoffs last year when they played in the bubble in Orlando. They'll be playing in a semi-bubble, a quasi-bubble, in Indianapolis this year. And uh, just to kind of for everybody's health and benefit, that's a good thing because we were able to put this tournament together, the NCAA was. Along the way, the path to get here was a little bit treacherous uh, from a handicapping standpoint, just given the fact that I've never seen so many changes in a schedule in my life. And Victor, you know this well, because Victor is the doctor of our database. Victor (laughs) updates the database every day, and he puts the schedules in, and uh, almost always on a regular basis, a ton of schedule changes. And what we saw a lot of this year because of all those changes were a myriad of back-to-back scheduling opponents playing the same opponent back-to-back days, sometimes even in the world of college basketball. One team played the same opponent four consecutive times in a row. So in truth, it kind of skewed up a little bit of the database and the questions that it is that we ask, but Thankfully, we do have questions to ask, and we do have a tournament at hand here, and we're looking forward to getting into just that, which is the purpose here of our March Madness Special Edition podcast here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. With that, Victor and I, we're going to tear apart our region-by-region preview of what we see coming in the four regions upcoming here. I'll be hopping out to Las Vegas and joining with Andy Isco a bit later in the show for the Vegas Vibe to find out exactly what's going on in Las Vegas as the buzz about Vegas is ramping up right now, getting ready for this NCAA tournament. And we'll close it out, as always, with our awesome angle on the NCAA tournament card. So with that, Victor, let's tip it off, if we will, and hop over to the NCAA West region as we preview the West region. And I'm going to ask you, Victor, first and foremost, as we're going to do in each of these regions, is what were your initial thoughts when this West region was put together on Selection Sunday? Obviously, when we saw who the number one seed was going to be, that would be Gonzaga. Uh, My number one question, of course, is will they complete that unbeaten season? You know, this is the first tournament without Duke or Kentucky since way back in 1976. And that's also the last time We had a team cap off a perfect season with a national championship. And Bob Knight's uh, Hoosiers finished, I believe, was 32-0. But uh, that's the case this year for Gonzaga, the number one overall seed entering this tournament, 26-0. And since, of course, that Indiana team kind of sealed the deal, this is the fifth time a team has entered the tourney without a loss. Obviously, none of the previous four won the title, but three of them did make it to the final four. So my my number one question was basically, will there be that curse of the number one seed coming out of this bracket? Well, that's the big question here because this number one seed is a monster. Some people talk and think that Gonzaga may be the best NCAA basketball team ever. I don't think that's quite the case. It might be a stretch. I'm kind of an old-fashioned guy, and I go back to the John Wooden days when his UCLA basketball teams completely dominated the college basketball scene. But here and now, Gonzaga looks to be the it team, and they have the credentials. There's no question about it, what they bring to the table here in this basketball tournament here. They, in fact, have two players that are going to be lottery picks uh, on this basketball team. Three players, in fact, it's rumored to be lottery picks on this basketball team. That's how good and how deep this basketball program is. They're carrying a lot of weight and a lot of attention here. 
coming into the season. And they were also blessed this year, Gonzaga, by the fact that COVID did not knock on their door, didn't interrupt their season at all this basketball season, unlike it did for other top-tier programs. And we'll be talking about them in particular. So I guess Gonzaga's whole uh, hope and approach will be to stay COVID-free, which is hopefully what Indianapolis will help do for that basketball team. My first thought when I saw the uh, pairings in the West region is that this is a pretty good region. And number one, it's very favorable for Gonzaga. Obviously, the region is going to help this basketball team. And remember, this is a Gonzaga basketball team that beat three ranked seeded teams earlier on in this basketball season and beat them all by double digits. In fact, that's been their mantra this year, double digit wins. 25 of their 26 victories have been by double-digit margins this year. So they are indeed the overwhelming deserved top seed in this NCAA tournament. But you're also, we're handicappers. We're not uh, going to ride the obvious and run the front, uh, be a front runner here with Gonzaga. We're going to make cases to try and look to see if we can beat Gonzaga somewhere along the way. And I believe there's a case and an opportunity. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Inside this region here, there is competition. The number two seed, Iowa, the Hawkeyes, have a good chance of tackling Gonzaga when they do reach uh, the, the Elite Eight round, if you will. Uh, very, very powerful Iowa Hawkeye team, five starters back from last year. A preseason top five pick entering the NCAA basketball season this year are the Iowa Hawkeyes. They have the potential. They have the depth. There's Kansas. Always in the mix, the Kansas Jayhawks started slow this year, but came on really strong at the end before COVID knocked on their door as well and took them out of the Big 12 tournament. If they can stay healthy and come back and assemble, they're going to be a big factor as the number three seed. You have the defending champion Virginia, the Cavaliers, defending champions from 2019. Yes, because we didn't have a tournament last year, but still, nonetheless, a defending champion, but you have to go back a long, long way to find out when a defending champion repeated in this tournament. In fact, it was 2006, 2007, Florida, when we had last had a defending champion repeat. Uh, likely won't happen for Virginia this year. But looking at this region here, I can see go, looking forward here, I have Gonzaga tackling Kansas, if you will, uh, in the Elite Eight round game. Uh, to come out of the West region here and uh, Gonzaga then moving forward into the final four. So, Victor, how do you see it from an over-under perspective? Is there any over-under game that catches your attention this opening weekend inside this region and anything else you see moving forward in the West? There's one game that we're potentially looking at for an over here, Mark, and before I get into that, the uh, best over team in this bracket would be the Ducks from Oregon in the Pac-12 conference who went 17-9 and over under in the season. And the best under team in this bracket would be Oklahoma. The Sooners went 10-16 and over under. But the one game I'm potentially looking at, and the value may have already been played out in this game, but it would be the Kansas-Eastern Washington game, the game against the Eagles a team that really likes to run the ball, ranked number 28 in tempo this season. The Eagles like playing at a track meet type pace, and the over-under line open at 141.5. It's been one of the biggest movers on the board. It's currently up to 145.5, in some cases 146. I'm not surprised by the line move. 
despite the rust, despite the big layoff for Kansas, we could very well have a shootout in this particular game. So we will definitely take a look at uh, Kansas and the Eagles from Eastern Washington to go over their total. Uh, one more thing I'm looking at in regards to the brackets, Mark, is where can I find some potential underdog value in each uh, bracket? And while this may not be the bracket to find value, given how great the Gonzaga team is, and, of course, they have an excellent chance to reach the Final Four, if they do not, I would suggest a team like Kansas, a team that you have playing Gonzaga uh, in this uh, tournament uh, bracket final, you can potentially get about 5-1 to odds right now on Kansas not to win the tournament, but to make the Final Four, and that would uh, necessitate a upset win over Gonzaga. But uh, the one team, I think, who has a little bit of underdog value is Kansas. Yeah, they're a three seed, but you can get five to one odds on the Jayhawks to make the Final Four. You know, interesting that you mentioned that, Victor, and uh, one of the reasons I'm kind of on this Kansas bandwagon is this. Aside from their blue blood that runs through this basketball program, they are also in our March Madness Tournament Guide, which we put together here, which is an absolute must-have if you're serious about winning in the NCAA Basketball Tournament. You can get the March Madness Tournament Guide online at playbooksports.com. That's our new address, playbooksports.com. We've added sports to our name. and Download the March Madness Tournament Guide. It's just jam-packed with winning information. And one piece of that information is the fact that we always outline each and every year what we call the eight elite elements and these are basically eight factors that have put together if every team checks these boxes they end up qualifying for making or winning the national championship and i'll say this that the teams who qualify have won 17 of the last 18 ncaa championship games there are three teams this year that qualify under the eight elite elements kansas being one of them That's one of the reasons why we're going to hop on the Kansas bandwagon this particular tournament, albeit health working in our favor here. And I can see, like I say, Kansas taking on Gonzaga in that Elite Eight round game. With that, Victor, let's move on over to our next region. That'll be our NCAA East region, uh, where we're going to preview that with uh, the number one seed, Michigan, coming in Alabama number two in this region here. And I'm going to ask you again, Victor, your initial thoughts on what you saw Selection Sunday when they put together the East region. Well, the thing that jumped out at me was that number one seed for the Wolverines of Michigan. And this kind of puts the Big Ten in uncharted territory this year. They received a pair of number one seeds. That would be Michigan in this bracket and Illinois in the Midwest bracket and a pair of number two seeds in Ohio State and Iowa. And it's a first. It's the first time a conference has earned four top two seeds in a single tournament. Uh, Seven previous times, a conference has grabbed three top two seeds, but the eventual champion came from that conference in only three of those seven instances, all by the ACC. So what I learned was that while... It's great that the Big Ten did get those four top two seeds, but the odds are not good that one of those seeds will emerge the champion. 
Yeah, you're talking about a Big Ten conference that was absolutely loaded this year, hands down the best conference of all the conferences in college basketball this year. But do they have enough to make it to the Final Four? And if they do, do they have enough to take down the likes of a Gonzaga or a Baylor in doing just that? Michigan tabbed as the number one seed in this particular region and a great job done this year by Juwan Howard, uh, their basketball coach, the second year, and he's really, really stepped in and filled the shoes for John Beeline, the basketball coach that did so much for this Michigan program in his years there. He took them to two championship games did Beeline. And I, I'll go so far as to say this, that Howard has not missed a beat with this basketball program. He's a player who relates to the team, and the team relates to him. He gets absolutely the best out of this basketball program. I know they're a little bit injured right now coming into this tournament here, and it's going to be a big key to this program of how far they're going to go. Will Michigan in this NCAA basketball tournament, if they can overcome uh, a big injury uh, on their roster, but if they can do just that, they've got the potential here, obviously, as a number one seed to go all the way, at least to the final fours of this tournament here. Looking inside this bracket here, I don't see a lot of strength in this particular East bracket here. When I'm talking about uh, looking at the powers that are residing in this conference here, or in this region, I should say, I will go so far as to say this. When Michigan, if they play St. Bonaventure, if St. Bonaventure gets past LSU in their first round game, Michigan will have their hands full because the St. Bonaventure team is special. They're out of the Atlantic 10 conference here. They were the number one seed. They won the tournament. They've got five starters back from last year, and they check all the boxes statistically. Do the Bonnies here. Be very careful for St. Bonaventure. They've got upset potential written all over them. They're the type of team that nobody will want to play in this tournament, especially Michigan, perhaps, in that second round. You've got Texas, another five-returning starter team in this in this bracket here. They're going to open up with Abilene Christian, who is a very nice basketball team. Abilene Christian, if you like statistics, they also – are a very well-rounded statistical basketball team. <clears throat> Excuse me, Texas comes off the Big 12 Conference Tournament win, and they were graced by the fact that Kansas had to bow out and it vaulted Texas right directly into the championship game, of which they won. Texas also brings five starters back from that program here. The number two seed, Alabama, nothing to say negative about this basketball team. Nate Oates has done a great job with this program here, and uh, they'll look to do big things in, in this tournament here. The only thing that I'm concerned about in their opening round game is that SEC champions have really struggled in the first NCAA tournament round game, especially when laying double digits. They're only 1-7 against the spread. They'll be tested against Rick Patino's Iona Gales in this contest, and Rick Patino will not be outcoached by any coach. We all know that. We know how well Rick Patino has fared in the past in the NCAA basketball tournament. Alabama may be having a little bit of a champagne high going into that game, and if they do, look out. Rick Patino will be probably around and be able to take advantage of that. But bottom line to me, when push comes to shove, I've got Michigan taking on Texas uh, for the final round in this particular regional here. And along the way, other powerhouse teams reside, perhaps like Colorado. I mentioned St. Bonaventure. UConn can also make some noise, but not overly impressed with the East region as far as power and strength goes. With that, let's hop over now to the South region here where another number one seed in the Baylor Bears uh, will be back in action. Baylor was hit with a little bit of COVID. They had a COVID pause during their basketball season. They come back a little bit slow. They've won four of the last six games, but given the fact that they are back in the tournament, they are a well-deserved number one seed. 
Victor, how did you see your initial thoughts on the South region when Selection Sunday came about? You know, what jumped out at me the most was seeing some of these stalwarts from the NCAA tournament, teams who have been there basically every year, and seeing how low they've been ranked this particular season. I talk about teams like the fact that the Tar Heels from North Carolina are an eight seed this season, and in fact, they're playing a nine seed Wisconsin. These two uh, teams are used to being top four seeds in the NCAA tournament. Uh, another one that jumped out was uh, the Florida Gators, also usually a top four or five seed, ranked as low as number seven. And the only other thing that jumped out at me was the fact that it's nice seeing the Razorbacks back with a top four seed. They are the number three seed. They'll be taking on Colgate. So the aspect that jumped out at me was big names from the past, but seeded a little bit lower than they usually are. Uh, that they are, Victor, here. Uh, these Blue Bloods uh, aren't quite the Blue Bloods this year. As you mentioned, we opened the show. No Duke, no Kentucky. Down seasons for the likes of North Carolina, Wisconsin, and even Villanova. Villanova comes in here as the number five seed. And unfortunately, this team was really wrecked with a couple of key injuries. They lost their best player of on the team uh, in a starting guard. They also lost another guard a week later. So they're only a number five seed is Villanova here. And I don't think they're going to go real far in this tournament here, largely because of the injuries. But they do have a lot of tournament pedigree. Victor, I want to ask you here. I, I forgot. I skipped over here. A top over under total play you were looking at in the East region. And I'm going to ask you the same for the South, if you would. There are two games we're potentially looking at there, now that you mentioned it. One is the 8-9 LSU versus St. Bonaventure. Something's bound to break in this one, that is for sure. Uh, LSU, an extremely fast-paced team in the SEC Conference. It's no surprise they went 67% over the total in the season at 18-9. One of the best over teams in the tournament will be taking on one of the best under teams in St. Bonaventure. They play at a snail's pace. 6-14 and 14 on the season. That's 70% under the total for the Bonnies. Ranked number 319. That's 319 in pace of play. They love walking the ball up. Something is bound to happen in this particular game, and the over-under line has not moved. Opened at 144.5, and that's where it still is. This is a bracket, this East bracket, bracket, in which the top four teams in terms of unders are all in this bracket so there's a very good chance we'll see more unders and overs. And again, I'm talking about St. Bonnie, who I just talked about, uh, Michigan, who's 10 and 15 over under in the season, Maryland, who's 10 and 16 to the under, and Michigan State, who's 10 and 17 to the under. The one over I'm going to take a look at is Florida State taking on North Carolina Greensboro. Of course, uh, Florida State at 16 and 6 over under on the season. They are indeed the best over team in the entire tournament field. The Seminoles at 16-6, and 149.2 points per game. Uh, on one side, I do know that NC Greenbow has gone 75% under the total at home this season, but this, is, of course, is not a home game. They've gone 67% to the over in their road games. This is a... One of the first games tipping off on Saturday, and we're going to take a look at Florida State and NC Greensboro to go over the total of 145, Mark. Victor looks to light it up with the Florida State-Greensboro game to get over that total for his top total play in the East region, if you will. And Victor, what about the South region? How do you see the over-under shaking out there as well? 
Here we've got some interesting games. First off, I will uh, submit to you the track meet game. And, uh, of course, when the uh, brackets came out on Sunday, that's what they called this game between Arkansas and Colgate. It's the highest over-under line uh, by a significant margin of any opening round tournament game. Arkansas Colgate opened at 157. It's all the way up to 162. And, yeah, these teams love trading baskets, playing at fast pace. Arkansas ranked number 17 in the country in offensive tempo. Colgate, not far behind, ranked number 25. Track meet, this has got the ingredients for it, and you're going to have to pay up for it as the line currently is at 162. There is a game I'm looking at as a potential over, and that might be the Ohio State Oral Roberts game. Open at 154.5, making its move up to 158 for the Buckeyes and Oral Roberts. And uh, one more game that we're kind of looking at is the Purdue-North Texas game under the total. We're talking two very slow teams in terms of tempo. Purdue ranked number 274, North Texas ranked number 350. So we are definitely looking at uh, under the total. It opened at 127. It's down to 126 and a half. It's one of the three lowest over-under lines uh, in the entire first round. We're looking at Purdue and North Texas under the total mark. And also, also, if you're looking for some final four value, like I talked about in the West Bracket, I kind of like the odds on uh, Purdue in this particular game. You can get 14 to 1 odds on Purdue to make the final four. Now, I know that means they're going to have to take down Baylor to get there. But if any team has any easier path in the NCAA tournament, I can't think of one. Purdue is located in Indiana. They're familiar. They've got the travel arrangements down pat. If there's going to be any sort of in a regional advantage, it's going to be for the Boilermakers. Not to mention the fact that they're ranked in the top 22 in adjusted offense and adjusted defense. So if you're looking for some, you know, long shot money to, you know, throw down, I would suggest Purdue at 14 to 1 odds to make the final four coming out of the South Bracket. Victor likes the home cooking for the Purdue Boilermakers to be one of those teams to make it to the final four at juicy prices at 14 to 1 odds. And Victor, do I put you down for Arkansas Utah State on the over for your top total play inside this South region? Yes, you do. Okay, very good. I just wanted to make sure I had that right. And before we move over to the Midwest, I want to say this, that uh, my observation on this South uh, region, if you will, I mentioned the Baylor Bears who started out every bit as good as Gonzaga this year before they were really hit by a COVID pause. And when they hit that COVID pause, they've since come back and gone four and two in their last six games. And I think with health being uh, now in their favor here, I think this is a basketball team that will have a big chip on its shoulder. I've got Baylor taking on Ohio State in the finals of this South Regional here. And uh, with that, uh, along the way, this Utah State basketball team that you mentioned, Victor, against Arkansas, is, brings a lot of credentials to the table here. And in fact, I see them getting past Arkansas. And then I also, or I see them, I should say, getting past Texas Tech. And I did also see in that Arkansas Colgate game, I see another potential upset in Colgate. It's a basketball team that not a lot of people know about, but believe me, you will after they play this contest here. If Colgate upsets Arkansas and Utah State upsets Texas Tech, we'll have two live dogs moving into the next round of games where Utah State, I see, will be taking on Ohio State, but 
put me down for Baylor and Ohio State as my two teams to meet in the finals of the regional, South Regional, I should say. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and it's time for our Vegas Vibe as we hop out to Las Vegas and get the odds from Andy Isco from Las Vegas to find out what's going on during March Madness. And Andy, I'll say this, not only is it good to have you back on the podcast for this special edition show, but also it's great to have the March Madness Tournament back in action again this year. Yeah, it really is, Mark. I mean, I knew we all missed the tournament from uh, 2020 due to the onset of the uh, uh, the COVID, but I don't think we really realize just how much we missed it until it's come back around this year, and we're all excited. We've been uh, waiting for uh, for this tournament really uh, since since it uh, got canceled last year. And the buildup has been great. I like the fact that we actually have a little bit more time to prepare with the first four games being played on Thursday this year rather than the traditional uh, Tuesday and Wednesday and the uh, swinging of the uh, first and second rounds on Friday through uh, uh, through Monday and then the following week going Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday leading up to the final four the following Saturday. So it uh, presents an opportunity uh, with all the precautions that are being taken to do a little bit of extra digging into these numbers, into these matchups and hopefully it'll lead to a successful tournament all the way around and uh, we'll see which of these 68 teams survives and is able to win six straight games which is what's needed to do to uh, claim the national championship well one thought i have quickly andy before i get into some value or some odds that you see in las vegas is our hope our prayer that there will not be a team that needs to bow out of the tournament because of covid issues uh, not only for the safety of the players and everybody involved, but also for the sanctity of a complete, un- un- uh, unadulterated NCAA basketball term as we're used to seeing. And with that, Andy, I'm going to ask you here on the show, first of all, from a value standpoint, uh, in the odds to win this tournament, did you see any value? And secondly, have you seen any major line moves off the opening lines? Well, a couple of points here. As far as value, uh, there's very little value in uh, playing the number one seeds at the listed odds. I'm showing Gonzaga anywhere from nine to five to two to one or so. Uh, Illinois in that uh, four or five to one range. Baylor a little bit beyond that, and Michigan. I think the long shot of the uh, number one seeds at about uh, seven or eight to one. Uh, you may very well do better if you like those teams to just invested money line on a game-by-game basis and roll over the entire proceeds. And if you happen to be correct, you'll probably get uh, better than uh, what these odds are going to be. Of course, a lot of it will depend on, A, your ability to project what the money lines might be, which, of course, will also be dependent upon your ability, if any, to uh, predict which upsets will occur. In other words, if things go according to form, you could probably have a pretty good idea of what the line would be, both the point spread and money line, if, say, uh, uh, Michigan were to meet one of the teams that's expected to face in its bracket. What happens when you get one of those other teams upset, then generally a weak team will take its place, meaning that Michigan, instead of laying, let's say, 240 against a specific foe, might be required to be laying 360 or 400 if it's been a significant upset. So those are some of the things to take into consideration if you're playing uh, the uh, uh, the futures market. One thing I like to do is uh, take a look at some of the teams, how they ended up uh, playing the regular season. And by that, I, uh, I use some numbers that I've developed over the years that chart the uh, uh, performance of these teams 
looking at their last five games compared to their last 10 games overall. So, for example, one of the teams that comes up very highly uh, in my analysis is uh, Connecticut. Uh, do I think Connecticut will win the NCAA tournament? No. Uh, do I think that there's value in playing them based upon the way that they've entered the uh, uh, the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I think you can get them probably around 70, 75 to 1. Uh, they have their opening game against Maryland, which is a team that actually ranks low on my list as far as uh, momentum uh, over the last five games compared to their last 10 games coming into the uh, uh, tournament. And so I'm looking for uh, UConn. In fact, uh, I'm going to be uh, talking about them on a little bit later. Uh, as far as uh, that matchup goes. Nonetheless, there's an example of one of the ways that I look at uh, at value. When, when I make futures plays during the season, I generally like to look at teams priced in the 40 to 1 range or higher if we're talking, uh, let's say, in uh, November and December. Uh, if we're looking at uh, uh, time, making future plays in February, uh, the requirements become a lot more uh, significant because as we find year after year, uh, if you take a look at the odds that are offered once the tournament matchups are, are, uh, are revealed, those odds are considerably lower for the, let's say, the number one, two, three seeds than they were, say, just a month earlier when you didn't really know where they would be seeded because there was uh, several games, a significant time remaining before uh, the matchups would be announced. So, for example, uh, like about a month or so ago, you could have gotten a team like Illinois at 15-1, to 1, uh, which was the time to play them. But at the same time, it also presents an opportunity for teams that appear to uh, be perhaps uh, on uh, on a path to get a higher seed, and now they end up being seeded, say, fifth through seventh, uh, and you can get more attractive odds today than you would have gotten, say, a month ago in mid-February. So that's the approach that I like to take uh, year after year. I mentioned Connecticut is one of those teams. Arkansas is another team. I happened to play them about, uh, oh, about uh, a week or so ago. Uh, well, maybe a little bit longer now, uh, at uh, 70 to 1. You can find them now at about 60 to 1. The Razorbacks uh, won 12 straight uh, games to end the regular SEC schedule. And, of course, they uh, uh, they lost a tough game to LSU in the uh, conference tournament. But the Razorbacks, veteran coach, uh, we'll see uh, uh, how long uh, Eric Musselman uh, lasts at Arkansas. There's been talk that he may end up going back home to Minnesota, uh, where his dad coached and where he uh, uh, lived for many years. Uh, but he's uh, going right now, at least he's going to be guiding the Razorbacks who've had a tremendously successful season. There's another team that I think does have uh, an opportunity. Uh, of course, we want to take a look at uh, the teams from the major conferences. The two best conferences this year were the Big Ten and the Big 12. And we can see that uh, not just from the results overall, but the fact that uh, uh, they drew so many teams into the uh, tournament. So uh, those are, are some of the thoughts that I look at at uh, how these teams uh, ended the season is very important to me. Uh, one thing to keep in mind amongst several things, but one thing particularly to keep in mind in, in assessing this year's tournament and trying to handicap the lack of uh, non-conference games created by the rescheduling due to the pandemic. Uh, we have a number of teams that played a very limited, if uh, somewhat no, uh, non-conference games in uh, in certain aspects. I think you've got a team, uh, I'm looking at uh, some of my lists here, that did not play, well, Colgate's an example of a team that not only didn't play any non-conference road games, uh, they didn't play any non-conference games at all. All of Colgate's games were within the Patriot League conference this year. Uh, so that was 
is a, a situation. I'm looking at uh, Rutgers, for example, did not play any non-conference road games. Florida State did not play non-conference road games. Tennessee, uh, Michigan is another one. So we don't have the same means of comparison regarding strength of schedule, quality of opposition faced. We don't have as many data points this year as we've had in season pasts. That might actually play to the benefit of some of these favored teams because when you look at playing some of these underdogs, for example, Colgate I know is, an impo- is, is a very impressive team. When you look at teams like Colgate, you make a case for them because of how they fared when they stepped up in class this year. But when you play only conference games or a very limited non-conference schedule, you don't have the methods and the means to make those comparisons. And you know that, for example, uh, well, Colgate's playing Arkansas. You know, for example, that Arkansas has played a very competitive schedule all year. Being in the SEC, they played a couple of non-conference games. They had that SEC uh, Big 12 Challenge where they lost, I believe it was, to Oklahoma State. That's another team to keep an eye on in this tournament. Whereas Colgate not only played just Patriot League games, but they played uh, several of these teams three, four times during the course of the season. So I think that also presents, as they say, a unique challenge, but at the same time, a unique opportunity. A lot of savvy advice from professional Las Vegas betting expert Andy Isco to keep in mind when you dump into the NCAA tournament waters this weekend. And Andy, I think a great insight about the non-conference games is really, really a great thought to keep in mind before you make your wagers. Before I let you go on the show this week, Andy, and we're going to be back next week to visit with you for our Sweet 16 edition, I know our listeners would love to know what you've got on tap for your complimentary play on opening week of the NCAA tournament. Well, I alluded to uh, to the game earlier, the Connecticut-Maryland game, because of the uh, various uh, momentum factors that point very, very strongly to UConn and very much against uh, the uh, University of Maryland. And uh, as we are doing this podcast, the line has uh, Connecticut a, a three-point favorite, and that is in the uh, East region. It's currently scheduled for 4.10 p.m. Uh, Pacific time, and it's a uh, UConn pretty much a solid three-point favorite. I saw that it actually some. It's interesting when you look at the opening numbers, and I use right now as my primary sources Westgate and Circa here in Las Vegas. Westgate opened the game two. It was bet up to three. Circa opened the game four. It's been bet down to three, and I'm showing pretty much solid threes across the board. So I'm going to uh, lay the small favorite with UConn. I like the job that was done there this year. Uh, the uh, It's nice to see them back uh, performing well. They they uh, Creighton, uh, which played so well up until their game against uh, uh, against Georgetown in the uh, Big East Finals. Uh, Creighton and UConn played uh, three times this year, and they were all competitive games. Uh, Connecticut fell on the short end. Maryland is another team. I mentioned their late-season momentum. They're really, if you look at their entire schedule, they played their best basketball, say, over the first half of the season. They did not play all that sharply down the stretch. They had a nice little four- or five-game winning streak before closing the season uh, with three losses in four games. So I'm going to lay the short number with UConn on uh, Friday in the uh, East Region's first round. 17-3 and three in their last 20 NCAA tournaments with only four point spread losses. We'll put UConn down for Andy Isco for his complimentary play on the show this week. Thanks, Mark. I do want to point out one, one of the frustrating aspects of this tournament is we're all hyped up for the start of the tournament, and by the end of the first weekend, 75% of the teams have been eliminated, but we're <laughs> left with the best 16 uh, to take us the rest of the way. So it's, it's over in a flash, but let's enjoy it while we can. Best Andy, of luck to you and I'm gonna, all the listeners. 
let me tell you this before I let you go real quickly here. We put our NCAA tournament guide together here, and in two days, we put together a week's worth of work. A great job by everybody, Charles, Victor, myself, the whole team at Playbook Sports. And I thought to myself this morning in the shower, my goodness, all that work, all that effort we put into this guide, and then after the weekend's over, we're on to the next round. (laughs) So I can relate exactly to what it is you're saying, but you know something? We're going to all enjoy it here having the NCAA tournament back in And you know what, Mark? I'd I'd recommend your guide to... uh, uh, to all the listeners, one of the things that you do, I mean, the entire product is, is fantastic, but one of the things I really like are the statistics that you print for the uh, for the tournament teams. And the one area I'll, I'll point out and keep an eye on this team, free throw shooting percentages, the ability to close out games. Take a look at what Colorado has done this year. The entire team of individuals, not just a collective team, over 80%. Uh, they're, they're, laying a, they're laying about uh, five, five and a half to Georgetown, which may be a little bit steep, but they do have the ability to close games out. So especially if they come an underdog uh, in their next round, I believe they're going to face uh, – I'm not well, I don't have the bracket in front of me, but I believe in their next round they have an opportunity to be an underdog and keep those free throw, perc- free throw percentages in mind, not just for Colorado, but also for teams that struggle hitting free throws because those are the teams especially favorites who may have difficulty covering numbers when we get to the fouling situation in the last 90 seconds of playing time. Another great point from Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Once again, Andy, best of luck this week, and I'll catch up with you next week for our Sweet 16 Special Edition show. And with that, let's hop over to the Midwest Regional for our final regional preview here as we find a region here that finds number one seed Illinois coming in along with number two seed the Houston Cougars and I do see an upset in the early making in this particular regional here but before I get to that I want to ask Victor King from King Creel Sports his thoughts on what he saw Selection Sunday in the Midwest Regional. Well first off what jumped out of me is is we've got two extremely low over under lines in this particular region the one team that I like as a top uh potential long shot candidate to make the final four would be the West Virginia Mountaineers at seven to one odds, currently a top 10 adjusted offense on the season. Again, that's only a long shot. And that of course that would require them to beat the number two seed uh, Houston to get there. But uh, Mark, as long as I'm talking about it, let me talk about those uh, two low over under lines. We're talking Loyola, Chicago and Georgia tech. Open at 127. It's down to 125 and a half. We're talking a snail's pace. Two teams who walk the ball basically up the court. Very good defenses. Loyola number 342 in tempo. Georgia Tech number 215. But the game that uh, I like the most in terms of an under, and this could put you to sleep early if you're uh, looking for uh, a sleeping pill or something on Friday evening, it would be the 920 p.m. Uh, Friday night game between Clemson and Rutgers, number seven and number 10 seeds. Lowest over-under line on the board at 125, and that's after opening at 128. Now, of course, the fascinating aspect of this one may be the point spread, which actually has a number 10 seed favorite over a seven seed. But uh, the pace and the effective field goal metrics are enough to, I think, perhaps put East Coast people to bed early on Friday night. Tempo, number 338 and number 213 for Rutgers and Clemson. 
Uh, granted, these two teams are a little bit faster when you split into offensive tempo, but uh, the four-factor statistics say this matchup could be flat-out gross. Uh, as far as game flow goes, Rutgers relies solely on generating their scores out of the interior, and that seems to be Clemson's strength on defense as they're ranked in the top 90 in the country in two-point defense. And we'll basically not have to worry about the Rutgers outside shooting in this particular game. I'd go as low as about 122, but I love the value on this game, Clemson-Rutgers, to go under the total mark. Victor looks for the under in the Clemson-Rutgers basketball game for his top over-under totals play inside the Midwest region. He also calls out the fact about the low-scoring snail pace of the Loyola Chicago basketball games this year. And in fact, Victor, I believe it was until their championship game in their conference tournament, they had held every opponent, like 16 opponents in a row, under 60 points, uh, this Loyola basketball team. They will stuff you out defensively, this team. And in fact, I'm going to go so far as to say, you mentioned Purdue as a sleeper to make the Final Four in the South. My sleeper to make the Final Four in the Midwest would be the Loyola Chicago Ramblers. This basketball team is every bit and better than the team that went to the Final Four with Sister Jean. And I feel this basketball team was snubbed in the pairings here. You've got a team in Loyola who they seeded number eight overall in this tournament. But yet, if you check the Ken Palm ratings, you'll find Loyola is his ninth-ranked basketball team. A ninth-ranked basketball team in the country who was seeded number eight I think it was an injustice to this Loyola basketball team. They've got a lot to prove, and I think they got the massive chip on their shoulder here. Look out for the Ramblers. I think they'll make some noise in this tournament. And I'm going to go so far as to say I've got Loyola making the Final Four, which means that if Loyola gets past Georgia Tech, I feel they'll get past Illinois with the little brother playing the big brother in that basketball game. So I think the big first major upset in this tournament might well come when Loyola takes down Illinois, if you will, in that matchup here. As far as the brackets go inside this Midwest bracket here, the number two seed is most intriguing to me, the Houston Cougars. They're a team that uh, there's a lot of love for the Houston Cougars in Vegas, and perhaps rightfully so, because they do check all the boxes, especially on the defensive side of the basketball. Loyola is the number one team in college basketball in scoring defense. Houston, number two. Houston, also the number one team in college basketball in defensive field goal percentage. And that goes a long, long way in this NCAA basketball tournament. When you play a smothering type defense, it's very, very difficult for teams that like to get up and down the court to get into their game. That's where Houston will be at, I think, their most effective here. In fact, I've got Houston taking on Loyola in the finals of this particular region. That's how my take is, Victor. And a lot of these numbers that I'm talking about here come from our NCAA March Madness Tournament Guide. I mentioned it earlier on in the show. I want to mention it once again. You've got to get your hands on a copy of this tournament guide. A great publication. Victor put together a great job as he does each and every issue with the tournament guide here when he paired up a lot of some past results inside of not only the NCAA conference but the NIT conference as well. The NCAA March Madness Tournament Guide available now as you're listening to this online at playbooksports.com. And with that, Victor, here, I'm going to ask you to go so far as to how you see teams making it to the Final Four inside this Midwest region. 
Well, as I mentioned, I do like the underdog value in West Virginia. I do 100% though agree that uh, if you want to really ride someone, take a look at the Loyola Chicago team. That is uh, for sure. We're going to be going, of course, Clemson, Rutgers under the total. Potentially Loyola and Georgia Tech under the total as well. And Marcus, since you just mentioned the Playbook March Madness newsletter, one of the aspects I think that is uh, especially revealing is taking a look at the entire field and how the field has performed against fellow tournament teams this season from an ATS perspective. And, of course, since I researched that chart, I've got the numbers. And the top five teams against the spread, against fellow tournament teams this season, the number one team, that would be Georgia Tech. They went 8-2 and two ATS against fellow tournament teams. Fantastic 80% against the spread winning percentage for Georgia Tech. Number two, Oklahoma State had a fantastic season. They've got a great, great freshman 12-4-1 ATS against the spread. Tied for third at 70% against the spread would be Missouri at 7-3 ATS. And Oregon State, who came out of the Pac-12 conference to, to win that tournament, both at 7-3 ATS against the spread. Michigan went 9-4 against fellow tournament teams. And Connecticut went 5-2. And, and Connecticut is another team that I like in the East. Again, if you're looking for an underdog, to make the final four, you can get 12 to 1 odds on Connecticut, ranked in the top 25 in both uh, adjusted offense and adjusted defense. And while I'm on the subject, Mark, the worst teams against the spread against fellow tournament teams this season, Texas Tech went 3 and 11 against the spread against fellow tournament teams. Perhaps they shouldn't have gotten the bid into the tournament. VCU went one three and one against the spread, and finally the Florida Gators went three and six against the spread against fellow tournament teams. Good job, Victor, especially putting that chart together about how teams fared against other fellow tournament teams inside the March Madness Tournament Guide this year at PlaybookSports.com. And uh, staying on that subject against other fellow tournament teams. I also note that there were two teams that were lined teams, meaning lined teams that are not from uh, the obscure conferences that did not face a fellow tournament team this year, those being Drexel and Cal Santa Barbara. So we'll see exactly how those two teams fare once they go up against the power of other fellow tournament teams. Also contained inside the March Madness Tournament Guide is our annual report of the 16 best coaches in their NCAA basketball tournament history. And there's a lot of great stuff here. We break it down round by round by round of how each coach is done in each round of the NCAA basketball tournament uh, and also their best role in the particular rounds. One note of obvious note here is the fact that Roy Williams, North Carolina head coach, has never lost a first-round tournament game. 29 times he's been there. He's won all 29 games and he'll be playing Wisconsin in a win-type situation here, so keep that note in mind. And also check out the fact in the stat that we put in the top 16 coaches, we had to add Rick Pitino. Now he's at Iona, but he's done a great job, obviously, in his career along the way, has Pitino here. And in fact, amazingly, if you take a look at him in his first-round tournament games, he's 16-3 and three straight up uh, is Rick Pitino. So great numbers inside that in there about the, all the college coaches' tournaments as well. 
And one other note here, Victor, you mentioned Texas Tech, a basketball team that I feel was the most overrated basketball team, at least in the eyes of Vegas, this particular basketball season here. Uh, A lot to like about the team. Chris Beard is a great coach. He's got a lot of pedigree inside the NCAA basketball tournament. But the bottom line to me is this team flat out did not produce this year. In their 27 line games, they only covered the number 10 times. In their 10 games, or I should say in their 15 games against other fellow tournament teams, they only won five of them straight up, and they went 3-11-1 against the spread. Put Texas Tech down for me as the most overrated basketball team in the tournament this year, based, if nothing else, about their play on the court this basketball season. To put a final spin on this week's show, let's do what Mark does best, his awesome Awesome. angle of the week. And with that, it's time for our awesome angle of the week on the NCAA basketball tournament card. And with our awesome angle, we go directly to the Playbook March Madness Tournament Guide, where we learned our awesome angle this week. We call it double champs. And what they basically are, as NCAA tournament dogs in the first round of the tournament that won both their regular and their postseason conference tournament, when these teams dress up as underdogs against teams that were not champions, they tend to play very, very well. They don't get a lot of respect. They know they're double champions, and they come and play with a vengeance in these basketball games. Since the last six years I've been charting this, these teams have gone 20 and 12 against the spread. That's a 63% winning rate on double champions. Get your pencils out because this year on our first week of the opening round games, we've got a total, if you will, of five basketball teams that qualify as double champs. They would be Colgate, Grand Canyon, Liberty, St. Bonaventure, and Cal Santa Barbara. Our five double champs for our awesome angle on the show this week. And with that, before we put the final wraps on this show, I'm going to hand it over to Victor King from King Creole Sports for his final thoughts on the tournament card. And Victor, let our listeners know out there if you've got anything special going on at King Creole Sports, which I know you do, this opening week of the NCAA tournament card. Well, first off, our March Madness Tournament Guide Playbook Sports Newsletter just came out last night, Tuesday night, $20. It's required reading. It's 17 pages. It's basically all you need. Take it with either the sports book, download it on your phone before you make your wagers. It's definitely required reading, as is our Sweet 16 supplement, which will be out next week at the same time in which we pick it up and uh, hit all these Sweet 16 games. Now, uh, as far as our NBA totals today publication, basically this is a publication that uh, we came out with about five seasons ago. It may have been four, I think 2017. And it's a one-page spreadsheet-type newsletter for people who like playing the totals in the NBA, the uh, over-unders, where we break everything down from a totally different perspective, pun intended, And uh, I think we discontinued it after one season. I think it was something that perhaps was a little bit ahead of its time, where people were not looking for information. But we live in different times these days, Mark, as you know, with sports betting opening up big time. So many states have legalized it. It's gone mainstream. Every sports better out there these days is craving Bettable sports information, numbers, trends, data, statistics. So we resurrected this thing a couple of months ago. Uh, 
I went to Mark, I went to Colleen, and I say, I think it's time to bring back the NBA totals today, one-page publication. What do you guys think? I got the green light from Mark. I got the green light from Colleen. We introduced it with an entire free week a couple of weeks ago. We're back now that the NBA is back into the second half of the season. And I'd love for every single listener of the podcast to get a free copy in their hand. So let's do this real quick, Mark. Let's not schedule that for Thursday because that's my day off. Let's not schedule it for Friday or Saturday because that's the first two days of the tournament. And everybody's going to be thinking NCAA college hoops. But let me suggest this. Let me send you out Sunday's free issue of the playbooksports.com NBA totals today via email. And to get it, all you got to do is send me an email at vic at playbooksports.com. And in the title of your email, just type in NBA totals today. That's all you got to do. I'll copy your email address. We'll send you a complimentary copy of Sunday's edition of the NBA totals today. We usually send it out right around 12 noon Eastern on Sunday. So let me do that if you can. We'll send out Sunday's NBA totals today to all listeners who want to take a look at this uh, resurrected product from Playbook. Just send me an email at vic at playbooksports.com. And in the title of the email, just uh, type in NBA totals today. Again, I'll copy your email. We'll forge you a free copy. We'll get it in your hands. If you like it, we'll talk about perhaps subscribing for the second half of the season at $75. And again, thank you very much to Mark and Colleen for allowing me to resurrect this product. The time is right because, like I say, these days everybody is uh, craving great bettable information, knowledge, stats, and numbers. And with that said, Mark, uh, I was playing around in the database uh, again this morning, and I have found the best situation for opening around dogs in the NCAA tournament over the last 10 seasons. And this is a nice situation. It's hit at 83% against the spread, 29-6-1 ATS over the last 10 years. Here are the specifics that we are querying into the database. Opening round underdogs of nine or less points coming in off the confidence of back-to-back wins. That's two more wins in a row. Taking on any opponent off a loss. These dogs have gone 29-6-1 against the spread. That is 83%. And it applies to one, two, three, five dogs during the opening weekend and uh, the irony is that three of those five dogs are those number 12 seeds that everybody loves playing against the number five seed. But again, those five dogs, Georgetown, number 12 seed, plus the points against Colorado. St. Bonaventure against LSU. Cal Santa Barbara against Creighton. Oregon State against Tennessee. And finally, North Texas against Purdue. Again, 29-6-1 ATS. First round underdogs, nine or less points coming in off two or more wins in a row versus any opponent off a loss. Those are the five doggies who qualified. Uh, Take a look at those uh, dogs this weekend in the opening round on Friday and Saturday. And again, don't forget the March Madness Tournament Guide required reading. And it's back to you, Mark. Great offer from Victor King. Pick up that free copy of the NBA totals today on Sunday. Take advantage by sending an email to Victor at Vic at playbooksports.com and put in the subject matter NBA totals today. 
and he'll send you that free copy on Sunday. Before I get to my complimentary play to close out the show this week, we'll be back next week with our Sweet 16 tournament show. I want to remind our listeners out there about my March Madness tournament, my March Madness Extravaganza, which tips off this week for NCAA basketball play. We've had a great job in the NCAA tournament, documented 46 and 32 the previous three years. You can pick up our March Madness Extravaganza for just $199 complete through the NC Championship Tournament game, or join me for a weekend first and second round winners of our Mark's Madness for just $99. Either way, take advantage by calling the office toll-free at 1-800-321-7777, or you can log on online at playbooksports.com and check out those offers that we're offering right now. My complimentary call on the show as we put the final wraps on the edition is going to be playing one of our four play-in teams, a winner. We don't know who yet that will be when they take on BYU. It'll be number seven, 11 seed Michigan State or UCLA. Whoever it happens to be will be on them against BYU in this matchup here. We note that from the Playbook Tournament Guide that Every year up until 2019, every there's been at least one team from the f- uh, first four games that have not only won their first four games, but won in round one. It stopped in the 2019 tournament. We say it resumes again this year. The winner of the Michigan State UCLA first four play-in game takes on BYU. The Cougars have really struggled, if you will, uh, in the first round of this tournament, they are 0-9 straight up in 1-7-1 and against the spread BYU in their first round tournament game. When they own a sub-800 record, which they do this year, will play Michigan State or UCLA against BYU for my complimentary play on the show today. And that's going to put the final wraps in this special edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, our March Madness Tournament podcast. Remember, we'll be back next week with our Sweet 16 podcast. Until then, once again, for our co-host Victor King, Andy Esco joining us from Las Vegas, this is Mark Lawrence, reminding you to always to remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always.